Everything you wanted to know about building a talent-driven organization. Insights and practical advice from leaders at the top of their game. In conversation with Belong's co-founder, Rashab Cole. Starting in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. This is Belong Accelerate. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Belong Accelerate with me, Rishabh Kaul. And today, I'm going to be having a chat with Tilak Dodapeneni on how engineers can be future ready. Tilak is the EVP and the Global Head of Engineering at Publicis Sapient, the digital business transformation company that's part of the Publicis Group. Tilak has led an illustrious career in technology leadership and this is actually his second stint at Sapient. Prior to this, he spent seven years at Tesco leading technology for Tesco's online and mobile stores. We're very excited to have you with us, Tilak. So Tilak, would love to hear your thoughts on how engineers can be future ready. There is an element in my view, you know, of curiosity. Mm-hmm. I think that is a critical factor, um, you know, of being curious. Um, and it is not just, hey, you know, I want to learn for the sake of learning, um, but you know, how is that new approach or new technology is going to fundamentally or change the way you do your work or change the way, you know, you know, you can approach a problem. I think that is key in my view and engineers who can do that, I think are future ready. It's not, and what I mean by that is, you know, I a lot of times see a lot of engineers saying, hey, I learned the new version of Java or, you know, hey, there's a new, you know, you know, I learned AI, et cetera, et cetera. It's just, in my view, I just learned, right? But nothing happened, right? Um, but how do you take it beyond that? And what changes happened, you know, in, in your ecosystem because you learned something new? That I think is key. But how do you, you know, think about uh, curiosity in a world where there are so many signals coming in, right? Like I'm sure while you were growing up, there were, you know, a lot of new technologies coming in, but with increased collaboration with things like GitHub, uh, you know, with open source, there seems to be like every new day, there's a new fork on GitHub. Every new day, there's a, you know, new technology, which is coming up. And for, uh, you know, a young person or even somebody who is, you know, mid careers sort of evaluating their skill sets, uh, it can get a little bit overwhelming, right? Like it can become so crazy. So, how does one even, uh, you know, think about uh, what should I be picking up, you know? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's a very good question, right? I mean, every day things come, right? You know, every day, you know, somebody says this is the greatest thing since sliced bread. And it's actually, you know, much higher. That rate is much higher in technology. So to me, I think the key is, you know, your ecosystem of people you work with, you know, the industry you're in, right? They all play a factor. Right? There are certain things that are applicable to certain industries and certain things not applicable for certain industries, right? Um, or, you know, what you're engaging with your peers or, you know, your, you know, leaders, right? So you get a sense of what's happening, where, you know, your ecosystem, your business or whatever is going, right? So I think that is key. So those are the things you use to say, okay, hey, you know, I'm in this industry. I mean, like, for example, you know, I mean, I'll give you a great example. People all got excited about blockchain. I had engineers for blockchain. You know, I want to learn blockchain. I learned blockchain, right? Yeah. But if, you know, in the industry that you're in, what does it really mean? Right? A little bit of that, 
right? Right. Uh, I mean, when I was in retail, you know, when four or five years back blockchain came, every engineer wanted to do blockchain work. And I would ask them how, why, what does it change, right? You know, there are other problems that we need to solve, right? You know, what, what do we need for that? So to me, I think those are the factors, right? And it's part of, again, you know, how are your future ready? You know, unless you're completely, you know, shifting or, you know, whatever field you are in, right? Whether you're in infrastructure or AI or data engineering or, you know, core or, you know, you know, UI or, you know, mobile engineer, right? Or general engineer, right? There is an aspect of that plus, you know, your ecosystem, you know, the company you're in or, you know, you know, the field you're in. I think that's what you have to, you know, uh, use. I mean, if you're somebody, just somebody who's AI, right? You know, an engineer in AI, yes, you know, you could go deep and, you know, figure out. So, so, so it depends on what ecosystem you're in. Mm-hmm. And, and do you think that, uh, you know, like in a lot of cases we come across, you know, people at a very young age sort of take a call on whether they want to go deep into something or yeah. they sort of want to be a generalist, right? Where say they are a full stack, developer yeah. and they might want to pick up a little bit of everything what do you think are the things that people should keep in mind as they uh, you know start evaluating some of those those choices right because there's obviously a difference between say reading up and practicing everything there is to know about say machine learning versus saying you know what i want to sort of be a jack of all trades know enough so that i can sort of end to end complete projects and things like that so yeah, uh, yeah. So, so I that? actually, you know, I actually usually flip that around, Bishop. And for me, um, the the way I think about it is, you know, it's two. I mean, it's a two, you know, practical approaches you can take. Look, I just want to be a specialist in an area. I want to be a general engineer. I think great. I mean, I think you know, you know, both approaches have their ups and downs, but you know, I think you know, both are valuable approaches. Yeah. But in both of them, the key for success in my view and the way I evaluate if somebody is good or, you know, somebody actually is useful for any, you know, you know, organization or a team is somebody who can use whatever his skills are and be able to take that to fruition, right? So you can't be somebody who says, you know, like, you know, again, if I take, you know, the, you know, the AI ML, hey, I know everything. I know the hundred algorithms, right? But, you know, if, you know, if in a given a situation, there are one or two algorithms you use, but how do you actually take live, take it to fruition? Is it really getting the results, right? That is a different skill, right? And people need to have that. You could be just deep in ML, but you can't just be saying, hey, I'm just, you know, there's a new algorithm, new algorithm every day changing it, right? So you have really haven't impacted. So to me, I usually judge, you know, engineers by what is the amount of code did they take live and what happened because of it. It's very interesting that, you know, uh, in one of the previous questions uh, you had mentioned about, you know, as people are thinking about their career choices, even within a job, as they're thinking about the skills, uh, one of the things that they will do is, you know, talk to their peers, Um, you know, as a leader of, uh, you know, large teams yourself, how do you do the role of leaders in in sort of shaping, uh, you know, the career journeys of all those people who are working under them, right? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. what is it that uh, you try to do? And also, what would your advice be to other engineering leaders uh, as they try to make their teams future ready or agile or whatever it might be, right? To, to sort of help get the most out of their teams. 
I mean, I mean, I, I mean, I definitely stress on, you know, hey, you know, are you curious enough? Are you, you know, you know, do you have the knack to explore, right? But I think what I do, you know, as somebody, you know, who has, you know, who's trying to lead, you know, large teams that are globally distributed is yeah. how does, you know, you know, hey, we have to learn, but that learning has to have implications in how we are doing work, the efficiency of, you know, what we're doing, and it needs to have an impact in, in terms of, you know, results for the clients. If we don't achieve those three, right, whatever we are, you know, trying to learn or, you know, whatever skills we need don't matter. And then I'll give examples of it. Um, so let's say, for example, the, there's a whole set of, you know, frameworks and, you know, open source tools are there. So when you start on something new, how fast you're leveraging them and, you know, trying to, you know, put something live, you know, if it doesn't have an impact on whatever you're learning, because all the tools that are available now, and, you know, if it still takes, you know, two months for us to, when we start to, you know, put something live, we haven't really achieved anything. The, I mean, another example I say is, look, you know, even three, four years back, we used to have engineers, you know, and, you know, infrastructure engineers, but because of cloud is there, our engineers doing, you know, a lot of the stuff they can do, right? Rather than handoffs to people. Different. Yeah. You know? yeah. If that didn't change, then there's no point of you learning anything new, right? You know, so that's the, that's the direction I try to steer people like, hey, you know, look, we have to, you know, figure out what is impacting, you know, our world, you know, the way we do work. And, you know, the, the, the speed at which, you know, we can get results for our clients. So if we have those three things in view and, you know, use, you know, figure out, you know, how we apply the skills we are learning. Mm-hmm. Do you think uh, from a, this is, this is more from the individual's perspective that we were discussing so far. If we sort of change the lens from an organization's perspective, what are the kinds of upskilling challenges that you foresee organizations to be having? Yeah, yeah. So to me, I think the biggest issue that I see, you know, in large organizations to help individuals is how do you create opportunities for people to use what they're learning? That is a big challenge. Because then that acts like a reinforcement. Otherwise, they might be like, what's the point of exactly. spending so much time learning exactly. this thing? Exactly. Right. And that is why I think, you know, as a leader also telling them, hey, you know, like sometimes if you're all, you know, if the individual all they're doing is really cutting and bleeding edge, right, you might not be able to apply those anywhere, right? But, but in general, right, how are we giving opportunities for people to apply or, you know, how are you, you know, guiding them to leverage what they have learned, right? And, and another one, another part of that is also, and sometimes this is as leaders, right? And, you know, you know even in my, you know, team leaders, and this is the challenge I usually see in the industry is you tend to stick to, you know, the best engineers you have in your team because you're comfortable, right? Mm-hmm. And you're not willing to let them go where they can really blossom, right? If you don't have right. opportunities, right? That is yeah. a hard thing to achieve. And sometimes, you know, it even becomes a corrosive behavior in my view, you know. And I actually, when I look at leaders in my organization, I actually look at, you know, that as a really good skill on how I look at leadership is, how are we giving opportunities for people to blossom, you know. And that, I think, is the most, you know, an organization and as a leader, another thing that, you know, someone should do to help people grow, you know, from you know, from individual's perspective. Yeah. No, I think that makes complete sense because uh, I think from an individual's perspective, they would be thinking that, you know, if there are things that they are excited by 
and they don't get to work on it uh, because they are being sort of you know retained in one particular team uh, then they might look for opportunities elsewhere right uh, mm-hmm. when in reality those opportunities might actually be existing within your organization uh, yeah. and 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 they they would obviously be able to sort of grow much faster uh, yeah. if they were to try out some of those different things makes a lot of sense from from that perspective uh, what do you think should be the role of the lnd departments uh, uh, i think what is what has been interesting is that you have this lnd department which is responsible for upskilling uh, and reskilling uh because they're aware of sort of the strategic areas that the company needs to be focusing on at the same time you also have individuals who are anyways going out of their own way to pick up skills uh and learn new things either within the company environment or outside the company right through open source contributions or through meetups and and things like that right um and so it's it's in some ways there is an organic sort of uh, way that people are learning as well what would your sort of advice be to lnd departments to be able to help you know uh, the engineering leadership you know uh, motivate people or have them future ready any thoughts on on the role that lnd could play see there are a couple of things one um, I, i mean you know sometimes i feel you know as an engineering leader right you know the moment you get to you know teams of decent sizes right 100 people or you know 1000 people or whatever um, a big part of in my view an engineering leader is also to act as you know lnd leader uh, <laughs> um, and the reason i say that is lnd leader and recruitment leader <laughs> and you realize all your time is going into either exactly. hiring and people I, or retaining them yeah and i actually i've seen in effect engineering leaders be you know all of those and actually those engineering leaders are the one actually in my view command you know you know in my view you know really really you know great premium but the reason i say that is as an engineering leader how are you guiding lnd to know what is needed but the biggest thing is how do you guide people who have built those skills to take you know what opportunities or you know help them you know it's almost like a placement right yeah uh and i think lnd you know well you know whatever that organization is and that's why i say you know sometimes you know the engineering leader teams the person themselves will have to you know sometimes take that role because how do you find the opportunity say somebody learned these skills right how are we you know leveraging them right how are we you know create those opportunities right so that's kind of is where i think in effect to you know if if lnd organizations transition into doing some of that they will be very effective otherwise they're just somebody who's running the classroom trainings or you know just it's like a classroom you know operator got it got it on the part of curiosity that uh, you mentioned that i i look at curiosity as sort of breaking it down to two parts one is say the internal drive right which is what will make someone want to pick up new skills uh, go on their own and sort of you know learn and there can also be another aspect to curiosity which is the soft skills aspect right which is how do you get yourself heard right because you can't do everything on your own so collaboration then becomes an important part how do you think uh, you know especially a lot of uh, i think people who are able to use both their left and right brain at the right time are blessed but a lot of times people uh, and maybe it's a self created situation tend to think of themselves as more left or right brain right so so for people who are sort of more analytical deep into tech you know how do you sort of you know uh, what would your advice be for them yeah. to sort of strengthen the softer parts 
yeah, yeah. It's it's actually a good question. I actually, this is something I think you know we're going to explore more in my view post-COVID situation, given the remote working and distributed working, um, and yeah. how we grow people. And the way I usually look at this is, it is not about communication skills. You know, it's not about you know, hey, can you give you know TED type talks or you know write great presentations. <laughs> you know, there are two things I usually look to say. You know, hey, somebody you know is a good software engineer. Um, you know, a couple of other additional things I look one, can they collaborate? So collaboration to me is very different to, you know, communication skills, you know, and part of a big part of collaboration is, you know, explain, you know, what you did, what you did. Yeah. So everybody is understands, you know, and everybody knows what's happening. Right. And that is not, you know, Hey, you know, you know, it is not a left brain or a right brain thing. Yeah. Right. You know, you know, why you did what you did uh, goes a long way of, you know, creating that collaborative sense in the team. The second thing I usually look for is, and to me, you know, you know, even I think it is actually in post-COVID situation, it's going to be very critical, right? Somebody to go and, you know, be known as a really great software engineer, right? And another aspect I usually look for is, are they able to mentor others, particularly junior talent, right? So it's like, you know, hey, you know, you're a master craftsman and are you able to pass on that craftsmanship to others? Right. right? And I've seen, you know, some people do it for like 10, 20, 30 people at a time. And I've seen people do it for, okay, you know what, one or two people at a time, right? And both are okay. But I've seen, you know, in my career, some great software engineers who actually have created great software engineers. I actually value that a lot more uh, because it creates a multiplier effect for your organization. And that is very different to communication skills or a left brain, right brain. And, you know, some people based on, you know, their mentalities and, you know, their idio, you know, syncrasies, right? Some people can do at scale and some people can do, you know, uh, and in fact, you know, a couple of great engineers, I know, very hard for people, you know, to deal with them, but they were good at, you know, creating great software engineers. Mm-hmm. Do you do you think uh, do you think age plays a role on this mentorship angle or like do you think young people can also pick it up early on in their careers? It age plays. The reason is for them to feel comfortable that they are you know masters at their craft, so that they can you know yeah. uh, you know coach and bring people along because they are self-aware. They feel like you know like there's 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 this bit of you know hey I need to you know know something well before I you know talk to somebody about it, right? It is that. Now, I don't know, some people can get there in two, three years or some people get there, you know, five, 10 years. It's just about, it's not an age thing, but do they feel like, you know, in the area they're in, they feel like don't know, they know enough to start, you know, coaching others. Got it. Got it. I have two more questions. Uh, One is around, uh, you know, Publicis Sapient is in the business of digitally transforming other enterprises, right? Uh, Which means that every time you transform other organizations, there is also an internal transformation which takes place, right? Like for every skill that you will be sort of sharing with uh, other organizations, you'll have to first upskill them yourselves. There'll also be a lot of learnings. My sense is, you know, since you work on so many different projects, there'll be a lot of learnings which will come back as a feedback, right? When you see something works, something not work. How do you as an organization, especially for the engineering organization, manage all of this activity? On one side, there is sort of upskilling your own team. So for example, you know, a lot of your customers might suddenly ask you for a new kind of a skill. 
and you know you along with the business team will realize that hey we need to build a capability in this and then on the other side there also be that you know things that you're trying out with your customers you will start sort of realizing hey this could actually be a best practice which yeah. we can now sort of institutionalize across the board right how do you how do you as a leader sort of you know manage uh, these different aspects yeah, yeah. it's, it's a big, great question i mean this so one thing you know there there are there are one is you know hey how do i there is something actually you know a couple of things we are trying you know we are trying out so one thing we are trying to do is keeping teams together so you know let's say there is a team that worked with a client and for you know then they need to move on we are not moving on just individuals we are trying to move on teams so actually the learnings they have as a team so sometimes the learnings in my view most of the times the learnings not just as an individual i learned this skill set but you know how it works with everything else right and how it worked in my team setting that actually Absolutely. is more important so we are changing the way we work on how we you know staff teams to projects not staff people to projects or work mm -hmm. so there's a you know collective learning and the velocity at which you know you can you know deliver value for the next client just increases because you know how to work together in a new you know you know with the new tools right um, yeah so there is that so that is one thing we are doing we we are, we are exploring we're trying you know you know how we work you know we are we are finding initial success with that the second thing for me is you know people go you know hey we need that knowledge based system or you know learnings and all of that at sk a lot of those you know are not don't work um, i usually you know tell people blunt about it but the, the this is where to me the engineering leaders are key because they see the forest instead of the trees and see the pattern yeah. and to me how they're actually acting the, as conduits of the knowledge between you know the different parts of the forest right right you know that becomes a key so a lot of my leaders you know i tend to evaluate them you know at that angle also on you know how they are passing on you know the what they see you know as patterns got it got it very interesting point around uh, keeping teams together which leads me to my next question which is uh, around uh, culture right culture plays a really big role uh, in a lot of organizations in the way we work uh, in the way you know we motivate ourselves in the way we are rewarded and teams also sort of end up uh, developing their own culture right so Yep. there'll be certain teams which might you know have a certain style of working right uh, uh, there may there'll be a team for example which believes in test driven development there'll be another team which might say be more you know focused on another way of sort of solving a problem right yep. one of the one of the things that you know we've seen a lot of companies do is uh, actually go around and acquire teams uh, and so while you know sometimes you can have large acquisitions you can also have like smaller acquire hires of different kinds of teams where you bring in a team which is sort of just worked together for a for a while right do you do you have any views on on uh, whether something like that could help organizations sort of you know bring in not just skill sets but like you know sort of end to end capabilities right where a team which has worked together comes in on board yes yeah i mean to me that that's the reason why because i mean there are a lot of things and particularly for us you know what we are seeing you know you know i mean this actually is in my view you know becomes key when you go to post covid situation particularly remote settings right 
Um, And there are two things, right? Everybody is remote. So if everybody is new, right, (laughs) you can imagine the issues that happen. The second thing is clients are asking, I mean, you know, every senior client, this is at a C-level and, you know, EVP, you know, SVP level that I'm talking to, everybody's like, hey, you know what? We need to get these things done because things are changing. There are new regulations or, you know, new things happening. We are also exploring the world, what it means for our business. So they don't have time like six months or a year, right? Their time frame, actually a lot of clients I spoke to, their time frame is like two weeks, three weeks, right? Wow. So to me, in that, and I think that is going to be, you know, like that, in my view, you know, post-COVID, at least for six to 12 months. So in that setting, you know, the more you can get teams that are working together, you know, keep them together, you can get that done fast. Right. Right. Because your left hand knows, you know, right hand easily, right? The handoffs and how you work, how you pick up where somebody left, right? It's like, you know, passing the baton, right? It, you, once you practice enough, right, you know how that team does the relay, right? If it's completely new people and you're saying, okay, now you're in the championship the day one, you know, you imagine what happens, right? So I think yeah. that is going to be a key. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. One of the things that we've seen is that, you know, sometimes the whole is greater than sort of, you know, the individual yeah. uh, parts, right? Where you might have, say, a team where there might be one person who as an individual might not be able to say clear an interview, but when that person is sort of part of a team, uh, something magical happens and it sort of starts working really well, right? Because yeah. there yeah. might be like a working relationship between that person and the other member of the team, which just makes the whole thing much more efficient and, and yeah. things like that. Yeah. This is this has been very, very informative and interesting, Tilak. Thank you so much. We have typically... The last part of of the of the session is like a rapid fire that we do. It's almost like coffee with Karan style. I don't know if you watch that show, but I'm going to ask you uh, a lot of like not not a lot, but like about eight or nine questions. Yeah. You yeah. only have like two or three seconds to think about it, Dilak. So yeah, you right. have to like. There's no pass and there's no waiting for five seconds. So. I'm going to start now and then the next 20 seconds, we'll sort of just go through seven or eight questions. Yeah, yeah. Are you, are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. Yeah. Okay. Fantastic. First question. What has been your favorite product, software product that you have used in the last few years? It could be enterprise or consumer. So uh, this is a bit jaded, you know, with the recent memory, but the one product that I'm like enamored and I like, I spend actually, you know, you know, like hours watching is the Roomba. Um, you know, as soon as the lockdown happened, we said, oh, let's go buy a Roomba so that, you know, it does the vacuuming. And I'm just like, <laughs> I like sometimes just spend like, you know, 10, 15 minutes watching it. You know, right. the way it works, you know, I like sometimes wonder, okay, how, what did they do? What's the hardware? What's the software? Um, right, right. But, you know. Fantastic. Yeah. If, if you were on an island and you could bring only three things, what would you bring? Uh, and needless to say, this island does not have any, you know, Wi-Fi connectivity or anything. It's an island away from it. To me, you know, it's usually, you know, something to read, something to write and a pen. Because I usually have a, things come to mind. I usually, you know, like, I, you know, I write like a lot of to-do lists or, you know, things, you know, I wake up sometimes in the morning and I, you know, take, oh, this is a great idea, right? So to me, I think, you know, something to read, um, you know, I usually read a lot of nonfiction. Um, and, you know, a large book, I don't know, maybe 2000 pages and, you know, <laughs> and ink, ink, or, you know, a pen, you know, that, you know, lasts enough, you know, so 
that's what i would say okay so then the next question is what what's your favorite book it could be a recent book that you really liked or historically whatever your favorite book is for me it's usually you know it is non fiction and in the non fiction also it is about why something happened why um and the the latest book you know i you know the book i read in the last 6 months is about vietnam war um and there was actually a you know six part you know eight part documentary series in pbs and they wrote a book also as part of that and the reason i usually do that is i want to understand why people what did what they did and you know what really happened uh, interesting the next question is at at what store do you foresee yourself maxing out your credit card so if you had a big limit what is that one store that you think you could actually reach that limit oh boy uh, what store uh, i mean i usually used to uh, my favorite pastime used to going to uh, this is one of my days when i was in boston in kendall square there used to be a bookstore by mit labs uh, mm-hmm. and i would go by every week or every two weeks you know two three books and i wish i had a lot of money you know then uh, this is when i was <laughs> so that you know you know even now when if i may got to get a chance to go to boston i sp- you know get like couple of hours to go to that uh, i spent some time in boston i don't know i found it super boring <laughs> it was like a sleepy compared to new york and yeah. silicon valley so i guess i should take tips from a local on what can because whenever i would ask someone what do you do in boston they were like you go eat clam chowder that's yeah. the only thing to <laughs> to do there other than uh, you know visit the universities so yeah. are there uh, you know any things on your bucket list that you want to achieve say two things that you feel you haven't yet done or experience that you want to uh one that is definitely there for me which you know surprising with all the time i spent in us i haven't done is right i do want to see grand canyon and you know explore grand canyon you know, not just go see uh okay. you know everything i read you know you know and people who have been there tell me you know like how it makes you feel you know how you know minuscule it makes you feel in the whole you know history <laughs> of earth um and you know you know the world it just gives you a very different perspective so that is something that is you know i usually i'm not a touristy person and say i want to go see this i want to go that you know i want to go see that that is you know number one uh, in my you know thing that you know i feel i want to do uh, as my bucket list uh, is there anything else or so then the only thing left is waiting for the lockdown to end exactly. and the flights to resume uh, right now the flights are busy just getting people back to india but i think after that we should definitely you know take out some time and visit the canyon yeah thank you thank you so much tilak really really appreciate the time i'm sure the viewers will have a lot to take away from your years of wisdom oh, thanks um, thanks for being teams look, yeah thanks for being grateful on the time it's actually been fun <laughs> thank you thank you Thank you for tuning in to Belong Accelerate. We hope you enjoy this podcast. Please subscribe to Belong Accelerate on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, or whatever podcast channel you choose to listen from. If you like what you've heard, please give us a five-star rating on your favorite podcast app. If you have suggestions on themes and particular guests you would like us to cover, please tweet to us with hashtag Belong Accelerate. See you on our next podcast. Ciao.